And when hoes act a certain way, they call them tricks. The hoe be doing tricks or selling tricks. Are you guys listening? So I just give that preference because sometimes when I start preaching about this, people look at me crazy. They say, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to say this. But the word whore doesn't have the same connotation as the word hoe in our context. And as I said before, God doesn't make a hoe a housewife. The bride of Christ is pure and spotless. You can't take that personal. Because, listen, if you are, and I mean this in all sincerity, if you are a hoe, and I was a gigolo, a male hoe, but listen, if you are a hoe here and are tricking, Jesus loves you and wants you to become a bride of Christ. So, I, 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 listen, I'm not one of those pastors who uses words to just be controversial. I just want you to understand that's why some translations say harlot, some translations say prostitute, some translations say whore. And if we were writing it today, we would say ho. That's, what, that's the way we would mean it. That's how we understand that word. It has a connotation in our culture. And then the last word there, Babylon. Everybody say Babylon. The reason why I always say it that way is because when I grew up listening to Bob Marley and to reggae music, Babylon was a part of the reggaeton scene or the reggae, reggae scene that became reggaeton in other Latino cultures. But Babylon, actually that whole movement that they would talk about, the, the reggae guys, the Rastafarian movement was based in the biblical understanding of what we're going to read right now. So when they would say, come out of Babylon, man, that's Babylonian. When they would say that, they were talking about what we're going to read right now. So when I am giving you this understanding, I am trying to help you in the common vernacular to get the cultural connection of how these words have been used in our time. A whore in our time is a hoe. And when a hoe acts a certain way, she's tricking. And when you think about Babylon, if you've come from a hip-hop or reggae background, you're thinking about it being Babylon. And you're hearing that in your head maybe like me. If you're not, please forgive me because today I'm going to talk about the the whore of Babylon. Are you ready? Okay, we've gotten over it because it's going to get a lot more controversial. I got to ask you again, are you ready? Okay, here we go. We're studying the end times, the book of Revelations, charts upon charts on charts. Here is the main one that we are using. We believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. That means as we study the book of Revelation, we believe the church gets raptured early on. We believe that there are then are three tiers of sevenfold judgment. The, three, uh, first, the first of the three is the seven-seal judgment, then the seven-trumpet judgment, then the seven-bowl judgment. We take these as linear judgments. We take this whole time period as seven years because it's the 70, 70th week of Daniel, all of our notes and previous messages are online. We believe that there are two interjections into the story of a, of a horizontal linear timeline where it takes us back in time. This first one about the beast and the dragon takes us back in time, not only to the beginning of the tribulation, but to the beginning of the fight of good versus evil. The one that we are in now, the second interlude, which takes us back in time to the beginning of the tribulation. The whore of Babylon is in cahoots with the 
Antichrist and the false prophet and the dragon. That is the timeline. Somebody say, ooh, there you go. Now you understand it. Let's go to Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came to me and said, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. How would we say this in the vernacular in the modern-day English? We would say, I'm going to show you the great hope. And I'm going to show you all the people that have been tricking with her and getting drunk with her. Does everybody get that? That should be no confusion to us because everybody here should be able to understand modern-day vernacular. She's called a prostitute. She sits on many waters. She's making her tricks or doing her adultery with the kings of the earth. And the inhabitants of the earth are drunk on what they do with her. Verse 3. Then the angel carried me in the spirit into a wilderness. Then I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. So the woman's riding the beast. Who have we learned that the beast is in Revelation 13? Oh, Lord, don't have me go back now. Do I got to go back in time for you? I got the reference there. No, no, no. There's the dragon, the beast, and the second beast. Who is the dragon? The devil, who's the first beast? The Antichrist, who is the third beast? The false prophet, thank you. Now you guys are keeping up. I have the notes and review there for you, but I have to get through this today. Okay, so the woman is riding on top of the Antichrist. This is meant to give you the vileness of who she is and what she's doing. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adultery. Somebody say the filth. I am going to have to show you how the Bible describes filth in just a few moments, so please be patient with me. And I mentioned a little bit of this in our first service uh, last uh, time I was with you, and it's not meant to be vulgar because I'm going to be literally reading the the words of, of Jesus, but everybody get this right here. The filth of her adulteries is what she's also proud of. So I want you to think about this, whether it's Beyonce, whether it's Madonna, whether it's Cher, whatever generation you are from, okay, think of a dirty girl dancing provocative, having nastiness all over her and however she is going to do it and wanting people to be nasty with her. Are there nasty dudes? Yeah, but this is the example you're supposed to get. She's dressed in such a way. She has these such of of clothes on and and jewels, and she has a cup that she has abominable things and filth with her, and she's trying to lure in the people. Verse 5, the name written on her forehead was a mystery, and the mystery will get solved. Tell me, say the mystery gets solved. Amen. You're going to see the, the mystery get solved. Most mysteries in the book of Revelation, as we've learned, get solved in the book of Revelation. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon, the great, the mother of prostitutes, and the abominations of the earth. So not only is she herself a prostitute, not only is she a whore, but she's running a whorehouse. Does everybody see that? 
She is the mother of prostitutes. And sadly, do you know that in America, in places like Nevada, there are whorehouses. There are prostitute houses. Now, this does not mean, let me just pause and say this on behalf of sex workers. Even though sex workers are going to hell, they still deserve human rights. How many believe that? So I am not in any way affirming what that lunatic, demonic person did to Asian sex workers or Asian massage therapists who might not have been sex workers. They're still figuring that out. But that is not the behavior of a Christian, okay? Though a lot of people are going to hell, there's more people going to hell in a mall today than there is in a house. Do you guys get it? And so mass shootings are never the answer. It's a part of a demonic ploy to twist people's minds up and to use that against the church to say, look, the church preaches against whoredom. The church preaches against prostitution. And then look, some nut kills a bunch of prostitutes. And this person says they used to go to church. Well, that person did not go to this church and listen correctly because that person is going to hell. And what they did was considered murder. Are you listening? But that doesn't take away from the fact that we go to the Bible to understand right and wrong about sexuality. And here she is called a whore. And not only is she called a whore, she is called the mother of whores of the abominations on the earth. The mystery will get solved. Everybody keep following. Verse 6. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people. So she's getting drunk off blood. This is the sign that we're given. And the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. So, I mean, wouldn't you be? You see a woman that has the appearance of a whore, and she's getting drunk off of blood? I mean, this is a crazy sign. This is what John is seeing. I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast she rides. Somebody say, mystery explained. Let me just pause right here. How many are still happy to have a Bible in your hand? Are you ashamed of your Bible yet? <laughs> okay, because this is where a lot of you don't understand the culture you're living in. They want you to be ashamed of this. Don't be ashamed of this. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. I'm not ashamed of this. I'm ashamed of what's happening on our streets right now. I'm ashamed of what they do at Pride, uh, uh, Pride Fest. Are you listening? I'm ashamed of those things. I'm not ashamed of this. This is the Word of God. Okay, so he's going to explain the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides. Now, if you remember, I had to skip ahead to this when we talked about the beast at the very beginning. I had to use this as the description of the seven heads and ten horns. Now you're going to see it in its context. Which she has, uh, talking about the beast she rides, which has seven heads and ten horns. Here it is. The beast you saw, which you saw, once was, now is not, and yet will come out of the abyss and go to its destruction. Now, everybody get this. We talked about the Antichrist, and we referenced the Antichrist having a fatal wound that is healed from Revelation 13, 12. Does everybody remember? Fatal wound that is healed. So get how it works. There once was an Antichrist on the earth, but the Antichrist, let me go up to, here to the was and is not. Okay, let's go here. There was an Antichrist on the earth, that Antichrist is now gone, is not, and yet will come. Okay, I got to take my time here. There was an Antichrist. Once was, once was. Did everybody get what once was means? If I can say the word, once was. There once was a beast, which we know the Antichrist, on the earth. At the time of the writing of the book of Revelation, around 70, between 70 and 90 AD, the Antichrist 
an Antichrist main world figure was not there. There once was an Antichrist figure on the earth. At this time of the writing, there is no Antichrist figure. Yet there's going to be an Antichrist figure that comes up out of the abyss. Now, when we learned about the beast at the Revelation 13, we don't see him coming out of the, uh, uh, the abyss. Put Revelation at 13. Where do we see him coming? He comes from the sea. He comes from the waters. But why now do we learn that the Antichrist, the beast, comes up from the abyss? Because I believe after he has been killed and he resurrects, he comes from hell and he re-enters his body. So remember, the Antichrist has a fatal wound that is healed. Everybody get this. Let's, let's start at the very beginning. The dragon. Who is the dragon? Man, only like five of you. Come on, guys. Please help me. Please help me. Who is the dragon? Thank you. Okay. So the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. I saw a beast coming out of the sea. Does everybody see that? But we just read here that the Antichrist, or rather the beast, I'll use the term we're all familiar with from this passage. I won't insert our interpretation. Here we see in chapter 17 that the beast comes out of the abyss. Here, where does the beast come from? The beast is coming out of what? The sea. Is the sea the abyss? No, they are totally two different places. The sea in the illustration or the sign that we're given here is out of the nations or out of the people, the waters. You're going to learn that in just a moment again. So we know the abyss is an actual place where Satan has been, where demons have been, and where Apollyon has been from the book of Revelation. Because remember, Apollyon comes from the abyss with the locust army. Do you guys remember that? Man, I know I was gone for a week, but you guys got to help me today, okay? I know sermon series can be difficult right now. I know most of you just want me to preach about staying strong for Jesus in this age that we're living in. But I want to be faithful to complete a sermon series on the book of Revelation. How many remember the abyss? Thank you for encouraging the pastor. How many remember the abyss is where Apollyon came from? It's where the locust army comes from. It's also where the dragon we see at different times comes in and out of. Okay. That's not where we see the beast when we're first introduced to him. We don't see him coming from there. We see him coming from the sea. But yet we're told something about him. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound but had been healed. So we learn something about the beast. If he's an antichrist, he's going to try to imitate Christ in all these different ways. Christ had a resurrection, did he not? So this beast, this person we know as the Antichrist has a fatal wound and comes back to life. That's why I believe it says he once was. So there once was an Antichrist figure on the earth. I'll tell you who I think he is in just a moment. And then there's not an Antichrist figure at that time, but there will be, and he will come out of the abyss and then go to his destruction. That means when the Antichrist comes into our timeline, somebody tries to assassinate him somewhere during this time. And as he gets assassinated, he goes into hell. And yet God gives power to the false prophet to bring the spirit back out of hell into the person. God is allowing the resurrection. The devil can't do it on his own, but that then becomes a sign to the people that this is some kind of God figure. That's why they worship the beast and his image. And remember we talked about the image is something that he empowers by either AI, some type of technology that can then destroy people who do not have the mark of the beast, the 666. Okay, now 
who is the Antichrist that I believe once was? That's in Genesis chapter 10, verse 8, and 11, uh, chapter 11, 1 through 9, Nimrod. Everybody say Nimrod. When we learn about Babylon, Babylon had a start. Babylon came from Babel. Babel was the place where everyone spoke the same language and tried to build a tower to heaven. They thought in their minds they could reach heaven by building a tower. But God then cursed them and separated them by languages. Have you ever wondered why we look different but we're one race, the human race? It is because by our languages as we were separated at Babel, we then took up our own lands and became homogeneous groups. That's why those in Africa began to take the traits of what we now know as an African. Those in Asia who were probably speaking an Asian language began to take the traits of Asia and they intermingled. That's how the people became separated and started their own cultures and groups. Everybody go, aha. That's how we as Christians explain the different cultures. But once the cultures mix, we go back to an even keel, uh, uh, I should say a, a, a medium brown. We go back to a different kind of, of skin tone besides the extremes of a light white and a dark brown. When they all come together, we go back to what probably Adam and Eve looked like. What did Adam and Eve look like? They were made of the, the, the dust of the earth. What color is dust? Well, uh, you know, depends on where you're at. Was it red like it was in India? Was it darker brown or black like it was like it is here in other parts of the earth? But whatever was in Adam and Eve was the gene code to be able to give the variety of what we see. So when homogeneous groups, that means when you go to Asia, let's say you still go to some parts of Asia and everybody looks quote unquote the same. The reason why everybody looks the same is because nobody from Africa has married a Chinese person in that area. Nobody from Europe has come to that part of China and married somebody. Does everybody get that? Because if, if you mix the groups together, like we have a beautiful group here, eventually our children will start coming to a baseline of all sharing the same attributes because you've mixed all the cultures back together. Does everybody get that? See, when you separate the cultures, you separate the groups, you get isolated genes. You get isolated traits. When you bring them all back together, you share all of those traits. So, yes, we all trace back to one person, uh, Mother Eve and Adam, you know, one family rather, one race, the human race. But as we separated in homogeneous groups, we had individual traits. And now as we're coming together, we're going back to our original design. Can I hear an amen? But they at that time, under Nimrod, wanted to do something united. Why is this considered an Antichrist figure, a, a preference or a, a, a prequel to the Antichrist of the Bible? Because there's been no other time, no matter how much world leaders have tried to do it, there has been no other time where the world was united under one language and one government aside from the time of Nimrod. So what is it going to be during the time of the Antichrist? The mark of the beast. One communication system through his power. The mark. And you, have, you can't buy or sell without it. They're going to all share a language. What language would that be? Who knows? But they're all going to have communication and, and, and centralized power through the Antichrist. And that's why it says, the beast which you saw which was, was is not, and yet will come out of the abyss. That's my best explanation. Let's move on. Verse uh, 8 here, continuing. The inhabitants of the earth, whose names have been uh, not written in the book of life from the creation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast, because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. 
Why will they be astonished by that? Because the, the resurrection of an uh, Antichrist figure will happen in front of them, and they'll be convinced of it. Now, let's go back to the woman. Go back to the woman who's riding the beast. Remember, the woman is not the beast. She is riding the beast. She is riding the Antichrist. She is getting some connection or having some connection, getting some type of uh, benefit out of riding this beast. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. See, the woman who's riding the beast is sitting on the seven hills. Where have we discovered that that's probably the best, uh, the best place for us to, to consider this place? Rome. Rome was known as the city of seven hills. We're going to learn more attributes to where it has to be Rome, even though there could be other places with seven hills. There are also seven kings, five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come. But when he does, he must remain for a little while. The beast who once was, now is not, is an eighth king. He belongs to the seventh and is going to his destruction. This is where you have to pay attention to why I believe in that resurrection theory of explaining the beast that once was, is not, and soon will be. It's because he's a seventh and eighth king. Go slowly. The seven hills also represent seven kings. Notice it. Five have gone. One is right now. How many kings is that in total? Five have gone and one is right now. Six. Now notice it says that then another is to come. What is that another going to be? What number is that going to be? Seven, right? But it's only going to last a little while. Do you see the seventh will only remain for a little while? Now go to verse 11. The beast who once was, now is not, is a what king? Which one is he? Eighth. But then it says he belongs to the seven. How is that possible? If you look at the kingdoms of the world who tried to unite the world but couldn't complete it, Egypt was the first, Assyria was the second, Babylon was the third, the Median Persians were the fourth, Greece was the fifth, Rome is the sixth. That's written during the time of John. Rome is around. What's going to happen now in the future? There will be a revised Roman Empire. In that city of seven hills, a world leader will unite the world, not just as the former six have done, but in a way Nimrod has done, only done one other time. But yet he will be assassinated, have a resurrection, and then start an eighth kingdom, demon-possessed, known as the beast kingdom. Tracking with me. Otherwise, have fun with verse 10 and 11. Figure it out yourself. Take me out to Red Lobster, and we can discuss it there. Do you understand? I'm doing my best to explain this to you. That's how I understand it. There's a way that you can understand it better. Like I said, email me at Lauren, Lauren. Once again, email me at Lauren at mpichurch.org. <laughs> That's how I understand it. She's riding the beast. The beast has seven heads, ten horns. Seven heads stand for seven, uh, seven hills. Seven-hilled city is Rome. It also stands for seven kings. Five had came at the time of John, one was at the time of John, and there was one coming ahead. And that one coming ahead was going to have something special about it because it was also going to be a part of the eighth. That's how I explain it. Now let's continue on. What are the ten horns? 
The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. Verse 13, they have one purpose and will give their power and authority to who? Who will they give their power and authority to? The beast. So everybody get this. This is why people were freaking out during the United Nations times because they're thinking this is the beginning of the Antichrist because John is told 10 kings which are not now are going to come in the future and these 10 kings will have one job, one purpose, and that's to unite the world and give it to the beast. Will it be the United Nations? I don't know, but it will be something like the United Nations. Ten kings representing the world will give their power to them. Will America be represented there? Everybody shake your head and go, yep. <laughs> yeah, America's going to be represented there. America does not get a free pass here. That's why we need to see America saved and the nations of the world saved at this point because in the timeline as we've gone through, the rapture has happened, the church is gone. We are not here to be salt and light anymore, and the world will be taken over by the deception, and these world leaders will join together with the Antichrist. Verse 14. They will rage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because He is the Lord of lords, King of kings, and with Him will be His called, chosen, and faithful followers. How many are on that side? Amen. That's a good time to shout amen. Amen. Now, how many Lord of lords can you have? How many King of kings can you have? Now, if Jesus, the Lamb, is called the King of kings, doesn't that mean He's equal with the Father? Right there's another scripture to teach you the divinity of Jesus. He is not the Father. He's not the Holy Spirit, but they share the same nature. And in the nature that they share is the King of kings, Lord of lords. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are each individual persons, but sharing the same divine nature of kingship, sharing the same divine nature of creator, sharing the same divine nature of Savior. Though they each have their own individual personality, they share the same attributes of God, all-knowing, all-powerful. All present. Are you listening? There is another indication of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Guess who is called that in Daniel? Yahweh. Daniel chapter 2, verse 47. And so we know Jesus is Yahweh. Father is Yahweh. Holy Spirit is Yahweh. But there are not three Yahwehs. There is one Yahweh in three persons. We do not believe in three gods being one God. And we do not believe in three persons being one person. We believe in three persons being one God. Do you understand that? Don't let people try to confuse you. It's not that hard. You can get it. Amen? If you can make a TikTok video, you can understand the Trinity. Okay? I still can't make one of those things. I don't know how you do it. Everybody makes all these funny things like with them, you know, and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. But I understand the Father, Son, Spirit, three separate persons, yet share one nature and they share the same name. Verse 15, then the angel said to me, now here it is. Now we're going to know what the waters are because we've been seeing waters. Remember, we saw that the, the beast came out of the waters. Remember we saw that in chapter 13? We saw it right here, everybody. Uh, the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. The sea is made out of what? Water, okay? So now we're going to know what the waters are. The waters you saw where the prostitutes sit, and she's sitting on a beast in the water, right? Because she's sitting on the beast in the water, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So the water represents the world. She's riding the beast that is controlling the world. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. Now notice this, what happens here. It's very odd that we take a turn here. It says, the beast and the ten horns you saw hate the prostitute. So the Antichrist and those ten kings at some point are going to now hate the whore. 
What's going to happen? Let's keep going. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Now, we know she symbolizes something, so it's not a literal person, but they're going to eat her flesh, burn her with fire. They're going to consume her. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish this purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. So they are going to do this on behalf of the Lord. Now here it is. Here's the final revelation of the mystery. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. Go ahead and put up that picture that I asked you guys to have for me, please. Here is my best explanation of how Rome becomes the whore of Babylon and plays into the Antichrist kingdom. The whore of Babylon will be a religious city that unites the world's religions, that persecutes the Christians, commits adulteries with world governmental leaders, and then will be turned on by those leaders. I don't think you can come up with a better explanation than the Roman Catholic Church seated in Rome. Does Rome already now have an agenda to unite the world's religions? Does Rome right now have money and ability to become a wealthy world power, a world empowering city? Absolutely. And does Rome have a track record of committing adulteries with governments and leaders for the sake of her own benefit? Has she done atrocities on the earth? Does Rome and the Roman Catholic Church have a track record of getting drunk off the saints' blood by causing the death of Christians? Yes, study the Inquisitions. Study what they did to people like me who preached the Bible, not in Latin, which nobody understood, but the language of the people. They burned our precious brothers and sisters at stakes. And when they died of natural causes, they would still take their body and burn it for everybody to see wicked and evil. Now, let's be very careful when we talk about it like this. It's only my best guess. I could be wrong. It's my way of tying together a seven-hilled city that gets drunk off of uh, the saints' blood, that unites the world together, that's in cahoots with the beast ruling over the nations, and that has abominations and adulteries. This is my best guess. But does this mean that everybody who right now attends a Roman Catholic church will be a part of this? No, because... Just like us, Roman Catholics can believe in the Trinity, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and some of them may be raptured with us. And so we have to believe God that our friends, that are Catholic now, will not accept what the popes are doing and will not follow anti-biblical teachings because we want to see the Catholics come to heaven with us. Amen? Now, I have to continue to preach but I will get back to why I believe it's the Roman Catholic Church. But I hope that now that whets your appetite. From this point on, 18 and 19, we're just going to hear about how Babylon is destroyed. Okay, so let's go through it. It hopefully won't take me much to read it. But to honor the word of the Lord, let's go through it appropriately. Verse eight, uh, chapter 18, verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. 
With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. Remember, this represents sinful living. Remember when, when, when Peter got a vision of unclean animals and God told him, kill and eat, and he said, I'm a Jew, I'm not supposed to eat those things. What that meant was the sins of the Gentiles made them unclean. And so he was being told, don't let that hold you back from reaching Gentiles. The same blood that cleanses a Jew will cleanse a Gentile. But what it's saying here is that this religious whore or this city of prostitution through religion is filled with every kind of wicked behavior but still considering themselves religious. Maybe this would be a good time to skip ahead, which once I do this, there's no promise that I'm coming back. But let's see if I can come back to our passage. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Tell me if you not only see this as a potential for the Roman Catholic Church, but also for Christians that you and I know to join with the whore of Babylon because they have accepted preachers and teachers in their churches that have different spirits than the Holy Spirit that just tickle their ears. Gets quiet when I preach like that. Come on, say amen or oh my, but it's coming. Look at chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. He's talking to the real church here who will judge the living and the dead in view of his appearing in his kingdom. I gave you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Out of season correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come. Just in the Roman Catholic Church? No, everywhere. Anywhere there's a church. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. Keep your head in all situations. Do the work of an evangelist. Now go to 1 Timothy chapter uh, 3. Chapter three. Notice that Paul's warning that these things can happen not only uh, to the unbelievers but also in the church. Uh, chapter 4, rather, 1 Timothy chapter 4. So remember, 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow what? They will follow what? Deceiving spirits and things taught by, things taught by demons. In Revelation, it says that this woman, as she has fallen... It is now exposing her that she has everything that's unclean because they find solace in this place and that this is now a dwelling for what? For demons. For the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her. The merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. How many now understand why Bob Marley was saying, get out of Babylon? This is what he was considered. And by the way, this is partly true, isn't it? And America can be partly of Babylon as well. Anytime America, God bless it, America, uses the Bible to oppress, uses the, the Bible to live wicked or to affirm sin, they are doing a preemptive of the whore of Babylon's tricks. The trick to use religion to clear people's consciences to do wicked behavior has been around since day one. But the whore of Babylon will do it in such a way where everybody gets what they want and still can be religious. As we read in 2 Timothy 4, you can come to church, get your ears tickled, and still live in sin. Why? Because there are spirits deceiving. 
So the kings of the earth will say, I love this. Religion is the opiate of the masses. As Mark said, it's the opiate of the masses. Let's give people more religion. Let's give them the Oprah religion. Let's give them the religion that everybody's welcome. Every lifestyle is welcome. That way every unclean thing can be brought in and then we can have power over the world. Because people are still going to want to be religious even in the end times because it's made in the, we're made in the image of God to seek after God. So the unholy trinity of the dragon, the first beast, and the second beast, the devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet will use the whore of Babylon, will use Rome as a way to get people to scratch and itch their religious itch. So it's not only the, the devil that's involved in this, it's also the spirits of the devil using all that they can to deceive people. Because remember, the devil can only be in one place at one time. But his demons will go out and, and appeal to each person. Why are you a Buddhist? Okay, well, let's appeal to the things that are in Buddhism and bring you in. Why are you whatever this is? Maybe it's Shintoism. Why are you that? Let's appeal to that and bring you in. So there'll be spirits over Shintoism, spirits over Buddhism. Oh, you want to be a Christian? Well, okay, well, let's have you come into the religiosity of Christianity where there's no power of transformation. You say you know God, but there's no change in your life. You deny the power thereof. Come on, somebody. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says that that will happen. They'll say, oh, I know God, but they'll have no power. They'll have no experience. Look at this. But mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. That's what we're talking about today. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal. How many of that marks our times? Not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We could preach a whole message on that. People love pleasure more than they love God. But look at number five, to have your noodle cooked. You ready to have your noodle cooked? Having a form of Satanism. No, having a form of godliness, but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. You mean to tell me the cherry on top of every wicked thing we just heard is religiosity? Absolutely. The greatest whore of the Bible is the religious whore. The greatest trick of the Bible is the religious trick. That's why when Jesus deals with the, the Jewish people of the day, he gives them the harshest names. It is the spirit of religion that is the most damning. Why? Because it's also the most deceiving. Who was the first cult leader? Satan in the garden. He was the first Jim Jones. You can be like God. Follow my teachings. And that's the same reason why he used Nimrod as an antichrist figure. You don't need God. Reach your own way to heaven. And that's why when he comes in these end times, he won't have too much trouble not only with the Roman Catholics, but also with the Christians of, of, of Protestant evangelical churches because most of them already think like this anyway. How many of your friends and family who claim the name of Christ, no matter what church they attend to, would have no problem with a service like this happening in their church today? Oh, that's the so nice pastor brought in the Buddhists and the Hindus. Oh, that was amazing. We all just prayed to God in our own way. We all lit incense to our own saint and did whatever we felt was best unto the Lord. We're all good people. Isn't that what most of your friends would love today? 
And yet that's the very thing that the Bible is warning us about. That's the very sign that you and I are supposed to get from the whore of Babylon is that she's adultering with everybody. She has no preference. This is where I got to make my, my, I got to go into the PG-13 stuff. How many ready for PG-13? Okay, let's go. We went there before. We got to go there now because I think it fits in. Holy Spirit leading me. I do believe, by the way, the Holy Spirit is leading me. He has not left the building yet. Holy Spirit dove is still here. Amen. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 25. And then hopefully I'll get back. I know it was going to get hard to get back if I stopped here, but I did feel the Lord tell me to stop here. So hopefully we'll get back to the revelation. But this is the thing we have to know about the prostitute. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 25 is going to teach us This is what makes her a prostitute. She goes with anybody. She does it with anybody. She has zero qualms. She is not selective. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 25. Waiting for everyone to get there. The Bible is going to give us some PG-13 language. If you're ready, somebody say, I'm ready. 1625. Brothers in the back, please keep up. Have the notes out in front. Thank you for all you do. 1625 Ezekiel. Thank you. Okay, it's because you spelled Ezekiel wrong, my brother. Let's go E-Z-E-K. Thank you. It's okay. Let's give it up for our brothers in the back. Amen. They're just doing their best back there, helping the preacher. I know I preach about, what, 1,000 words a minute. (laughs) I'm not saying it's easy for them there. E-Z-E-K, and then give a space between the 16 and give a hyphen after the 16, a colon rather. There you go. At every corner, at every street corner, you built your lofty shrines. This is the word of the Lord to Ezekiel. Who do we believe the word of the Lord is? Jesus. Specifically, God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So who is the word of the Lord? Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1, 1, 1. anytime you hear the prophets say the Word of the Lord came to me, they are not talking about reading rainbow in a book coming down. Reading rainbow, take a look, it's in a book. I don't even remember the rest of it. I, I got to go back to the beginning. I can fly twice as high. It's in a book. There we go. Love him. God bless him. And let him come to this book. Amen. But it's not like reading rainbow. Here came the word of the Lord. You know, here it came. No, when it says the word of the Lord came, Jesus is showing up. Jesus is speaking on behalf of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our Jesus. So when anybody says, well, I only say what Jesus says. Well, I say the whole thing. Here it is. The red letters are not just what Jesus says. The whole book is what Jesus said. Amen. So help them. Help them understand Jesus is the one who went to Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? It wasn't like Jesus said, like, hey, guys, I'm too loving to do all of this. Let's get the crazy angel to go down there and destroy them. No, it says Yahweh came down there and met with Abraham, and then it was an intercession time. And then Yahweh came with the angels and called down fire from the Yahweh in heaven onto earth. Two persons named Yahweh in Genesis 18 and 19. At every street corner, you built your lofty shrines and degraded your beauty. Notice what the adulteries is attached to, religious perversion. You built your lofty shrines, just degraded your beauty. Now look at the illustration here because I'm not going to do it. Spreading your legs 
with increasing promiscuity to anyone who passed by. Verse 26, you engaged in prostitution with the Egyptians, your neighbors with large genitals, and aroused my anger with your increasing promiscuity. It's quiet when the word of the Lord comes like that. It's the word of the Lord. Go to Ezekiel now, chapter 23, verse 19, please. Why do we use this language? Because God uses this language. Is it appropriate in every situation? No, Jesus did not go around talking like this when little children were asking him to pray for him. But he did preach like this when it got to the point where people needed to understand the intensity of what was being done. Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 19. Yet she became, talking again about Israel, she became more and more promiscuous as she recalled the days of her youth when she was a prostitute in Egypt. There she lusted after her, her lovers whose genitals were like those of donkeys and whose admission was like that of horses. So you longed for the lewdness of your youth when in Egypt your bosom was caressed and your young breast fondled. That's the Bible. You lust after these genitals. You allow your body to be caressed and fondled. I've already showed you on my Facebook that is what it means. I, I've given that explanation so you don't think there's a mistranslation here. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. We now can understand the mystery. The mystery is that Babylon the Great is the mother of prostitutes, the abominations of the earth, who according to God has always been that, his people when they are disobedient. So when we think of the seven-hilled city that's in relationship to the beast, this is not a satanic organization just because they worship Satan. It's satanic filled with the power of the, the, the dragon because it uses the name of God. It will probably use our scriptures. It will twist them and use them as an excuse to live in their sin and to affirm every unclean behavior and every unclean belief. Have you not heard of now the transgender bishops and the Methodist church and the Anglican church? Have you not heard of the gay uh, Pentecostal bishops? That Some of them are in Atlanta right now preaching just like you would think in any other kind of church. Have you not heard of the lesbian pastors? Have you not heard of the polyandry pastors and leaders? Have you not seen all of this going on in the Roman Catholic church? This is getting so bad that now there are Roman Catholics who actually deny the Pope is Catholic. That used to be the butt end of a joke. Somebody would say something crazy, and then they would go, well, is the Pope Catholic? And you're supposed to go, yeah, he's Catholic, and everybody would laugh, you know? Now the Pope is being rejected by Catholics as not even being the Pope. It started with Catholics, uh, Popes even before. This is John Paul II. It goes all the way back to Vatican II. There started to be a movement in the Roman Catholic Church, almost like a Reformation. Well, guys, we've already done that. Come and join us, amen? Uh, but they're wanting to have another Reformation. She's a whore. She's the mother of whoredoms. She's drunk on the blood of the saints. That's how she gets her power is from those people, but they turn on her. They turn on her because after a while, the world doesn't want religion. After it gets what it wants from religion, it does whatever it now wants to do on its own. That's why when I always talk about uh, the African-American slave trade with African-Americans, I just say they were a cult. They were a cult of Christianity. True Christians were always against the slave trade. We can show it in history. But once Kuta Kinte was made their 
property. They didn't care about the Bible anymore. They tore up the Bible and gave them a slave's Bible. Look it up in the, uh, right now online, the slave's Bible. They didn't want to be genuine Christians. They used it. Same thing with some of the conquistadors. Oh, I'll conquer in the name of Christ. Give me all the gold and who cares about Christ? Does everybody get it? These are cults. These are diversions from the original versions. They're perversions of Christianity. And yet the Bible says it doesn't end. It actually gets worse as time goes on as they unite together. Babylon will fall. Somebody say she will fall. And all the kings of the earth then and all the people who got rich will then regret it. They'll see that they're losing now their opportunity to manipulate people as much as they once did. So it's a love-hate relationship with her. Let's continue on. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven. God has remembered her crimes. Have you ever heard that saying before? It's piled up to heaven. That's what it's talking about. Remember we were talking about before, come out of Babylon? That's where it comes from. And so who is the angel speaking to? He's speaking to the tribulation saints that need to hang on and to stay true to the word of God. But doesn't it also apply to us right now? Shouldn't we come out of the prequel to the Babylonian system? Anything that leads us towards this, shouldn't we come out of? Any type of ecumenicalism that goes beyond affirming human rights. We affirm human rights, but we are not ecumenical in our doctrines and beliefs about God. How many agree with that? How many know you and your Muslim neighbor can stand together against crime in your neighborhood? How many know you and your Hindu neighbor can protect the children, okay? So you can be ecumenical in that way, but you're not ecumenical in your beliefs and doctrines. We have to draw the line. And so he says, come out of there. Come out of her. Give back to her. Here comes her judgment. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Pour her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and the luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as a queen. I am not a widow. I will never mourn. Is that not the language of Revelation 3.17 to Laodicean church? Come on, tie it together. What does the backslidden church say to Jesus? I don't need a thing. And then what does he say back to them? You are naked, wretched, blind, miserable, and poor. Do you see the connection? What does the Roman Catholic Church view herself? The queen. The queen mother Mary is with us. We are the mother church. We gave birth to all the churches, which is a lie. We were not Catholic. We were always Christian. Are you listening? And Rome wasn't where it started. It was Jerusalem. So why do you call it the Roman Catholic Church? Call it anything, the Jerusalem Catholic Church. Come on. Let's keep it real. Yet she'll talk like this. Look at us. Look at how much money we have. Look at how much power we have. Look at how much prestige we have. Look at all the awards from the mayors and governors we have. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine. She'll be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord who will judge her. This is all just about the judgment of Babylon. Seriously, that's how much God wants us to know about. He just talks about how he destroys her. If you take into consideration the whole book of Revelation, we get four retellings of the destruction of Babylon. How many think it's important to understand how Babylon gets destroyed? Your God tells you about it four times, and your preacher is reading it. Are you, bo are you bored with God's word yet? Come on. Verse 9. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of the burning, they will weep and mourn over her. 
Well, I thought they wanted her to be destroyed. Yeah, there's a love and hate relationship here. Now they're realizing, like, yeah, we probably shouldn't have gotten so angry with you and kicked you out and, and allowed all of this to happen to you. But, you know, we did it because we were angry at that time, and God put it in our hearts to do it, but now we're kind of regretting it. Terrified at her torment, they will stand afar off and cry, woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In one hour, your doom has come. And I think at this point, they're starting to realize, like, yeah, we were just used by God to do that, and God's going to destroy us like he's destroyed her. Verse 11, I'm glad you got that, my brother. Verse 11, the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one goes to buy her cargoes anymore. And uh, Rome is a port city, or at least is right by the water. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple, silver, silk, a scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood, and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble. Cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh and frankincense, of wine, of olive oil, of fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and human beings sold as slaves. They will say, the fruit you long for is gone from you. All your luxury and splendor has vanished, never to be recovered. Some may say slave trade. There will be a revised slave trade at this time. I also believe that will be those as uh, the tribulation saints. They will be traded as slaves. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand off terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn and cry out, woe, woe to you. That's our second woe. Great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, griddling with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living by the sea will stand afar off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, was there ever a city like this great city? So now they're a little discouraged that they can't have that great city anymore. Verse 19, they will throw dust on their heads with weeping and mourning, cry out, woe to you. Which woe is this? Third woe, great city where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour, she's been brought to ruin. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets, for God has judged her with the judgment she imposed on others. Can I get everybody to see what's going on right here? I want everybody to pay attention to this right here. Who's mourning over the loss of the whore of Babylon? The wicked, who's rejoicing? The righteous. That's what it's going to be like on Judgment Day. What they're mourning over, we're rejoicing over. What Bill Gates is getting sad about, I'm getting glad about. Amen? When Oprah says, oh my, I'm shouting amen. The righteous are vindicated. Can I encourage you with that today? You will be vindicated with whatever stands you have made for righteousness. Even if in this world you at times are persecuted and they seem to be getting the upper hand. Do not be discouraged, my brother or sister. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He will avenge. Amen? I trust God that he gets the last laugh and he will give us the joy to rejoice to see he always had it under control. So don't quit on God because of the sufferings and the tests you go through. Tests will bring you to testimony. Amen? And then here we see what this angel does. The mighty angel, a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone, threw it into the sea, and said with such great violence, uh, such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down never to be found again. And remember, what is the opposite of Babylon in the book of Revelation? New what? New Jerusalem. 
What is the opposite of the whore of Babylon? The bride of Christ. So this city will be destroyed, never to come back again from the days of Babel. It's always wanted to be resurrected. They even say during the time of um, Saddam Hussein that he found ancient Babel and he tried to rebuild it. And there's a little bit of a historical site there now, Babylon being rebuilt in that way on the ancient site. And so who knows how far the, the kingdom of uh, the, the Rome will go here if it will spread all the way to Iraq and control all those areas. But wherever this territory has been, including Rome all the way to ancient Babylon, it will be forever destroyed and never to be found again. The music of harpists and musicians, pipers and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No worker of any trade will be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. Do you hear the judgment being pronounced here? The light of the lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's, uh, were the world's important people. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of prophets and God's holy people, all who have been slaughtered on the earth. Good riddance, amen. Good riddance. Now look at Revelation chapter 19. Remember there was three woes, now there's three hallelujahs. Are you ready to shout hallelujah? Come on, Vinny, would you come please in closing? After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in, sh in heaven shouting what? Hallelujah, amen. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God. Now we get a scene of heaven who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, and what? Hallelujah! Then a voice from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting what? Hallelujah! Thank you for our Lord. God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad. Give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his what is ready? His bride has made herself ready. That's why I say you can't make a hoe a housewife. If you have been a hoe or a harlot spiritually, be born again into the bride of Christ. Because when God does away with the whore, he now makes room for the bride. Verse 8, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said this to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Because remember, we're also invited to participate. So we're the bride of Christ, but we're also the guest. And that's why we see many, you know, examples in the Bible of Jesus using that as both. Sometimes we're the wedding, uh, in the wedding we're the bride, other times we're the guest. So we got to look at it as both. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him, talking about the angel up here. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. 
for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. We have talked about already that God there represents the Father, Jesus is the Son, and the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. We worship the Father, Son, and Spirit, not angels. Amen? And I have examples here of the worship of the triune God you can look at. I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like brazing fire and his head on his head were many crowns. He has a name written on him that nobody knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is what? The Word of God. Thank you. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses. That's us coming from our time of rapture in the heaven, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword which will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and his thigh he has this name written. Let's say it together. King of kings and Lord of lords. Can you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Come on. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. King of kings and Lord of lords. Altar workers and band, would you come please in closing? Oh, praise God. Praise God. Today, friends, come out of the system of Babylon. Do not be deceived by false religions and false teachings. I plead with you on behalf of the Lord today. Submit to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If you're one of those that has honest questions, and I mean this, we're not here to be rude to you. If you have honest questions about Christianity and why we as Christians believe in the centrality of Jesus or the doctrines of sexual purity and marriage of one man and one woman. If you honestly have questions, we're here to dialogue. We're not here to shame you because we believe now is the time of patience and long-suffering. We believe that God doesn't want you to perish. If your friends or family are a part of other religions or Christian groups that are like the whore of Babylon. Please reach out to them in grace and truth. Bring them to life groups. Bring them to church. Let them hear the teachings of this. It's all online and on our app. Share it with them. Because now is the time to preach the gospel. Now is the time to plead with our friends and family. Amen? Now is the time to not just get angry at the world and then go into our own spaces. It's time to take the gospel to every nation, tribe, and tongue. It's time to take the gospel out there to Boys Town during Pride Month. Amen. It's time to take the gospel to Belmont and Clark. It's time to take the gospel in front of mosque. I have an Islamic debate set up this Wednesday. I'll share it so you guys can follow along on the Underground Church page. By God's grace, I'll be de de debating a Muslim scholar. Why? Because I want to see him saved. Now is the time. Use the media. Use your influence. You don't have to be rude, but use that which God has given you. Even on your job, there's a way to be tactful, to be as wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Say to your coworker, can I take you out to lunch and share with you some of the things that are important to me about my relationship with God? You know, don't even trick them. Don't even be like, can I take you out to lunch? And then while you're at lunch, you set out the Bible. <laughs> hey, man, what's going on? I thought I was coming for some free tacos, but now, man, you got a Bible in front of you. What happened here, man? 
uh, you know, just be honest with them. Say, yeah, I'd like to share some things that God has been doing in my life. If not, I totally understand, but I would love to take you out to lunch. Same thing with your families over Fourth of July barbecues. Come up next to them and say, hey, cousin, hey, uncle, hey, friend, can I tell you about what God's been doing in my life? And we're going to see what he'll do before he comes back. Because my whole purpose of reading the book of Revelation wasn't just for us to mock the wicked or to see how good we're going to have it. My goal is that we will have compassion on them because this is the end of the story. We know how it ends. How many ever saw Endgame by Marvel, the Marvel comics, Endgame? What was the guy who got all the stones? Thanos. How many know, like, if you started off and you were on Thanos' side thinking you're all happy, like one of those little goons, like, oh, you got all the stones, Thanos. I'm so happy for you. I can't wait to rule the world with you, Thanos. Okay, how many would like to tell them, if you've seen the end, and you can tell them, listen, goon, you're about ready to get killed. You and Thanos don't make it in the end. It's not good for you. How many would like to do that? It's the same thing with the things of God. If you know how this ends, you need to tell somebody. You need to tell them this is how it ends, and it's not make-believe. This is a real deal. As surely as he came the first time, he's coming the second time, and he's not coming as a baby in a manger. We're doing Gucci, Gucci, Goo, Goo, Goo. He's coming on a white horse to strike down the nations. Amen? Let's pray in closing. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your mercy, your grace that has transformed our lives. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally, just pray to him right now to come into your heart, forgive you of your sin, transform your life, make you like him. The rest of us, come on, let's pray to him. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus to bring us your power, your grace, your mercy. Help us to live for you, to be witnesses for you to have the power and strength to go around the world and preach your message, to raise our families in honor of you, to work as unto you, doing all things for your kingdom and for your glory. Use us, Lord. Take care of all the needs that we have, even in our suffering. Remind us that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that everything is in your hands today, and you're going to work it out for our good. In the name of Jesus, I'm just going to pray for those here today that are accepting Christ and those who are going to get really committed to him as, as a disciple. The rest of you can continue to pray for yourself or others, but Lord, I pray for those who make this decision today that they won't leave out here the same way they came and that those who are going to commit and go all in, God, that you'll show yourself to be faithful as you've done it in so many others' lives. And for those of us now who have committed to this, Lord, we ask you to fill us again and again with the Holy Spirit to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Can we bless the Lord one more time?